For the life of Abram and his sons, you have 39 chapters. You have this amazing emphasis upon one man and upon his offspring. And you will see this book of beginnings. There are really three beginnings. You have Adam, the first man, and you have Noah, who is the man of the new world after the flood. And then we have Abraham. And it's as it were God started off afresh by calling Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. And of course, it is to Abraham are given the promises of a seed. And we have to understand that that refers to Christ. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. What a privilege and an honor it is for me to bring God's message day by day and preach the word of the gospel to your soul. And I pray that today the Lord will have a kneel in a sure place, a word just for your heart, a seed to sow in your soul that will bring forth a gospel harvest. We're talking today again about interpretation of the Bible. There are many doctrines, many ideas, views, and notions. Many people play fast and loose with the Bible. And if they were to treat any other book as they do the Bible, well, it would never make sense. And so there are certain set principles that are required in understanding and interpreting the Scriptures. Today we're dealing with Abraham as a type, a picture of the covenant of grace, the promise of Christ that was given to Abraham when he promised him a seed, a people that would be without number. Of course, that's the church. And so you have all of these things built into real-life characters played out in the Old Testament hundreds and hundreds of years before the coming of Christ. And the preacher's job is to get it right and preach it straight. So stay tuned with us today as we turn to our Bible and to the pulpit of our church here in Cloverdale as we let the Bible speak on Abraham. Well, we're continuing to look for Christ in all the Scriptures. For those who are joining us tonight, uh, we just want to recap a little of how we got into this series Uh, It was not one that I planned long-term, but as we wrapped up the book of 2 Peter and dealt with those who rest the Scriptures, uh, that means those who twist and pervert it to their own ends and try and use it uh, as some kind of a springboard for error. And many are doing that. That's one of the great tragedies of our times, uh, that there are those who claim to hold to the Bible, and they take things out of it that God never intended. And then we came to the position that not only do we need to defend the inspiration of the Bible, but we also need to be very careful in our interpretation of the Bible. And we spent some time in that. Now, it's one thing to give principles of how to interpret the Bible the things that we may do and the things that we ought not to do. But in reality, we want to do it. And we want to go to the Bible and say, here is Christ 
in all the Scriptures. And we've been looking now for a number of weeks at these typologies. And this is one of the great miracles of the Bible that weaved into the history, weaved into the background of people and events in their real personal existence and circumstances, God reveals His Son. And everything is traceable to the coming and to the mediatorial work of the Lord Jesus. And if it's patriarchs, if it's prophets, if it's kings, uh, these all have an element of the revelation, the forthcoming of the Lord Jesus into the world. And so we started at the beginning, and we looked at Adam, and we drew the parallels that there are between Adam and our Lord Jesus, who is called in the New Testament the second Adam. And then we got to look at Noah, and we found that here is another uh, wonderful parallel uh, of the life of the Lord Jesus in His name for rest, in the fact that He straddled the old world and the new. He saw the judgment of God, and yet His name is tied to the mercy of God in the very rainbow that is in the cloud. Tonight we're going to move to Abraham, and we're going to see again this typology. Now, it's a little different with Abraham because I don't think that Abraham himself is so much a type of the Lord as is his hope of a son. And we know the history of how Isaac was born uh, even in their old age. He was that miracle son. And in that son was wrapped up all the promises and the, the hope of the gospel that was preached unto Abraham. Now, the first few men that we have in the Bible, Adam right through to Noah, takes something like 2,000 years. And the last few years that we have uh, in Abraham— and right through to Joseph until they are down in Egypt, somewhere around less than 400 years. But did you notice that for those 2,000 years to the Tower of Babel, 11 chapters. For the life of Abram and his sons, you have 39 chapters. You have this amazing emphasis upon one man and upon his offspring. And you will see this book of beginnings. There are really three beginnings. You have Adam, the first man, and you have Noah, who is the man of the new world after the flood. And then we have Abraham. And it's as it were God started off afresh by calling Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. And of course, it is to Abraham are given the promises of a seed. And we have to understand that that refers to Christ, to the Savior who was coming into the world. And with Abraham, there were made uh, covenants, and to him was revealed the wonder of the gospel. But the gospel was all to do with his son. It was all to do the promise of one who would become an heir, and he would become uh, the father of a vast number. 
as the stars in the sky, as the sand in the sea, and of many nations. Now, I have a, a little outline here tonight that Isaac was to Abraham a promised son. He was a covenant son, a miracle son, and he was in picture a, a slain son, and again in picture a raised or resurrected son. And so I want us to get in our minds that God is revealing to Abraham the gospel, the church. He's revealing to Abraham the covenant program of Calvary right from that early time in Genesis 12 where it begins. So we want to deal here with Isaac, the promised son. Obviously, God is shining the light upon Abraham. And of all the men in the world, God calls Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees, out of idolatry, and he leads him into a new land, gives him a new beginning, and then he reveals to him the gospel. So let's go to Genesis 15, and here, uh, for ourselves, the very revelation that God gave to Abram concerning a son, and the very promises that were wrapped up in him. Genesis 15, verses 4 through 6. Genesis 15, verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, won't be Ishmael, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Now, for future reference, notice the word see is in the singular. The word seed, singular. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And from that point on, Abram now in the Bible becomes the model of salvation by faith. Justification by faith alone. It's taken up in Romans 4. It is taken up in Romans 5. It's taken up in the book of James. It is now Abram's way by which God saved him, justified him, gave him the gospel promises. It is the mighty revelation of God unto his heart, revealing the Lord Jesus. Now, when you go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, you will discover that Abraham had the gospel preached unto him, the same gospel that we are saved by tonight. And we are told here the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in, th in thee shall all nations be blessed. So Abraham now was a representative man, and to him there was the revelation of the gospel, and he was given the gift of salvation by faith alone. Another verse that ties into this is John chapter 8 and verse 56. John 8, 56. And I'm deliberately asking you to go here tonight because 
It's very important that we see the link between what God revealed to Abram in Genesis chapter 15, the way of justification by faith, that it was focusing not just upon a natural son, Isaac, was not just focusing upon uh, someone who would be born of their loins, but in Isaac were wrapped up all the promises and all the the future hope of a Savior. And it tells us here in John 8, 58, that, um, uh, verse 56, sorry, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So Abraham had the gospel preached to him, the gospel of a Savior, a gospel who would come into the world to redeem, and a gospel who became the hope of Abram's salvation. And so we see that we have now Christ in all the Scriptures, Christ in Genesis, Christ in the whole history that's wrapped up in the life of Abraham. Now, we know that Abraham was a sinner. He was an idolater, and he was in a wicked city that he was called out of. He was to leave that system and become a servant of God in heaven. And so we see the power of the gospel in the life of Abraham. And so we have every right and every mandate to take the book of Genesis and preach the gospel, preach the cross, preach the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus. And in that way, we see the unity of the Bible. We see how all of this comes together into one message, one gospel, one church, one people. We're all saved the same way by the one Redeemer and by the one sacrifice that He offered on the cross on Calvary. Now, I thought it very interesting where John 8, 56 says that Christ saw my day and was glad. It is by beholding the death of the Lord Jesus that we are saved. Just like this text above me, I had a call this week from a, a radio listener, and he didn't exactly call up because he wanted to be saved, but he did share with me that he didn't feel that he had the assurance of salvation. And I said to him, you know, you can have the assurance of salvation. It's not something that uh, is beyond possibility. Indeed, God would have you to know that you are saved. And I shared with him two gospel verses. John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God. We've got to get our eyes on the Lord Jesus, and by looking unto Him, this is the objectivity of the gospel, looking away from ourselves and looking unto Jesus, that is the means by which we are saved, exactly as Abraham. The other text I chose was Isaiah 45, 22 where it says, Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved. And in the Lord's goodness, the light came on, and the man understood how he could have peace with God through the Lord Jesus. And I had the joy of praying with him, and I trust that today he is indeed rejoicing in the Lord. So I want you to see here that we have Christ, the gospel, the, the, the way of salvation revealed to Abraham. 
by looking unto the Savior who would come into the world. Now, Isaac was the covenant son. In Isaac, God stooped and came down in condescension to give guarantees to Abraham. I want to move along now to Genesis 17 and verses 1 and 2. And here is now this wonderful appearance of God to Abram when he was 90 years old and nine. The Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Now, that is God's omnipotent name. It is El Shaddai, the God who is all-powerful and almighty. And it's God did it that way because he was to reveal to Abram, nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is impossible with God. And of course, Abram says, well, how are Sarah and I going to have a child at this age? It is no longer with us that we can bear children. And as you read on, uh, God says to him in verse 2, I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Now, I'm not sure we can go where we need to go here, but I want you to notice it's not just one nation. It is many nations. The gospel is not confined to one nation. And this promise that the church or the spiritual offspring of Abraham would be as many as the stars of the sky or the sand of the sea was not confined to one nation. And it says here in verse 5, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed forever. Now, this gospel then was preached in the New Testament by the apostles to Jews and Gentiles. It was not confined to one race, one people. And in that chapter we looked at in Galatians 3, where Abram, the gospel was preached unto him. It goes on to say that this is neither just for, for Jew nor for Greek, but for all nations. And this is God's covenant. Now, I made a statement in the last few weeks that when God makes a covenant, it is ratified by blood. It is an agreement between the God of heaven and his people. And the token of its guarantee is the shedding of blood. And it's interesting that in Genesis 17, you have the introduction of circumcision. And through that circumcision, the covenant is ratified. 
you will be my people. And by your obedience in circumcision, you will be honoring this covenant. And so you see the shedding of blood here in Genesis 17. And that way we can preach the cross, because every agreement with God, every arrangement with God, every basis on which we claim the promises of God, they are confirmed or ratified by blood. And that leads us to Calvary. And here again, we can preach the cross right out of the book of Genesis. And we can rejoice that there is blood that is shed that brings the guarantee of eternal life to every one of the Lord's people, even you tonight. And perhaps you came along to church with doubts and fears and concerns about your own salvation. You're not knowing whether you have the peace of God in your heart. Well, it's necessary to know uh, that God gives us promises, and He gives us covenants that are made sure by and ratified by blood. And so, when doubt fills your heart, what do you do? What should you do as a Christian? What makes you an overcomer of doubts, fears, and whatever concerns come into your heart? You go to the cross. You plead the blood. You call upon God to remember the covenant that He has made through His Son. And that's the answer to dispel doubt. That's the answer to bring you into the enjoyment of peace with God.
You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, and today we are dealing with the interpretation of the Scriptures. And in some ways, it's a complex matter to really handle the Bible. It takes some skill, and it takes some understanding, and it takes the teaching of the Holy Spirit. There is a story of a missionary in Korea who had a visit from a native convert who lived a hundred miles away, who walked four days to reach the mission station. The pilgrim recited proudly, without a single mistake, the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. The missionary was delighted, but he felt that he ought to warn the man that memorizing was not enough, that it was necessary to practice the words as well as to memorize them. The Korean's face lit up with happy smiles. That is the way I learned it, he said. I tried to memorize it, but it wouldn't stick. So I hit upon this plan. I would memorize a verse and then find a heathen neighbor of mine and would practice it on him. Then I found it would stick. What a great policy. Put it into practice, and the truth as well as the blessing of the Word of God will indeed stick. Let me challenge you to read, meditate, memorize the Scriptures, but better still, put it into practice. You can do it in your marriage. You can do it in your home with your family. You can do it in the workplace. You can do it even before God in prayer today. Just take God's Word and go to the Lord with that and say, Lord, I will do it. I will put it into practice. Give me the grace. Give me the wisdom to put into practice the things that I read and learn in your Word. And then, surely, the Bible will stick. And above all, I pray that it will be the means of your salvation, that you will claim the promises as your own, call on the Lord to be your own Savior, and not just learn about others, but become a Christian yourself. That's the end and aim of the gospel message. May the Lord bless you today. You, are you have been listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of this broadcast or would like to hear it again, you can go to ltbs.ca. You will also see ways you may support this gospel ministry. And you will find details about our church in Scarborough, where Pastor Larry Saunders is the minister. In Port Hope, where Reverend Reggie Cranston is the minister in Berry, where Reverend Anthony DiDerno is the minister, and in Buffalo, where Reverend Philone is the minister. You will find all their details at ltbs.ca. If I can be of personal help, I would love to open the Bible to talk and pray one-to-one -one with you, so that you may know you are saved and sure of it. Call me at 604 897-2040 or email me at ltbsradio at gmail.com This is Pastor Ian Golliher 
Until the same time next week on this station, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His loving care.